Hey Church, welcome once again to Church Online. It is absolutely fantastic to have you here with us. Hey, I'm really looking forward to our new series which we're kicking off today on Why Would I? Why would I choose to follow Christ? Why would I choose to follow someone who lived, you know, 2,000 years ago? Is that kind of even relevant today? And there's those who would believe that we're, you know, wasting, absolutely wasting our time and energy being followers of Jesus Christ. You know, some others would say, hey, look, you know, are you delusional, uh, still believing in made up stories or fairy, ta fairy tales which happened so long ago? And uh, we live in a society where, you know, in New Zealand, it's, there's increasing pressure. And I think, uh, yeah, it's becoming not such the popular thing. To be a follower of Christ and uh, but we need to realize that we still live in a world which religion is is part of it and um, so often we say that you know people would think that religion is on its way out but the truth is that it's not on its way out you know of the planet there's about 7.7 .7 billion people who live on this planet and uh, I think about 2.3 billion of those uh, would be consider themselves to be Christians and then when you add up the, the other religions, I think we've got uh, 1.9 billion uh, Muslims on the planet at the moment and 1.1 uh, billion Hindus. And then the other religions also, you add those in there as well. It ends up that there's about 85% of the planet would consider themselves religious. And so I don't think religion is going away, but I think we need to keep discovering why would we would actually choose to follow Christ why would we choose to do that and uh, over the next few weeks we're going to be unpackaging that and having some conversations with some different people uh, I want to go to the, the the first calling of the disciples when Jesus was on this earth and he caused his disciples come follow me and they respond immediately to that uh, Matthew chapter 4 verse 18 it says this one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, thrown a net into the water, for they were fishing. They fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee repairing their nets and he called them to come too. They immediately followed him leaving the boat and the father behind. And if we continue down into verse uh, 25 we find that also large crowds followed Jesus. Verse 25 says this, large crowds followed him wherever he went. People from Galilee, the ten towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea and from east of the Jordan River. And here's this multitude of people that are choosing to follow Christ. He's calling them and they follow follow along with them. And I, I don't think it's like coercive or demanding, but there's this invitation in. There's in, an invitation into something special, something amazing which is happening on the planet. Jesus is calling his, his people to him. And the question still has to be asked, why would a couple of fishermen right there drop their nets, uh, leave their family, drop everything, their livelihood, and walk out right at that time and follow Christ? You know, you think, did Jesus have kind of like this uh, 
hypnotic gaze and you know kind of the you know come follow me and, and they just kind of walked out like zombies in a uh, like a, a, a b-grade movie or something like that where, where it's they're just hypnotized and have to just follow Christ was it like that or well, what else was going on that they would choose to drop everything and follow this man you know can you imagine the dad you know the Zebedee there at night um, you know, with his his wife, Mrs. Zebedee, and he, he they're sitting around the dinner table, and they're going, "Hey, uh, Zeb, hey, where the boys? Shouldn't they be home from fishing um, this evening? Shouldn't they be home for dinner?" And Zeb, he's going, "Well, yeah. Well, a strange thing happened down on the beach this morning. We were just down there sorting out the nets and stuff, and this guy came along. You know, he." white robes, this beard and sandals and he just said to them come follow me and and, and the boys they, they just walked off you know I chased after them, I called them but they were gone what was going on with that? it seems a little bit strange today I wanted to try and shed a little bit of light on what probably happened give you some context around what was happening at that time in society and the Jewish education system in the Jewish education system, there were kind of like three levels, three layers of education. And the first one was called Bet Sefer. And it was kind of like the primary school. And from the age of four to the age of 12, um, they'd go along to this, this school and involve memorizing the books of the Torah from uh, Genesis through to Deuteronomy uh, for the boys. And the girls would learn the book of the Psalms. And if they completed that, if they got through that, then they'd go on to Bet Midrash. And the boys at that time, they would often learn the family trade. So they'd become carpenters, they'd go fishing, uh, block laying, whatever was ongoing, um, sewing out in the fields, shepherds, all those different trades which were going on, uh, the boys would enter into those. And the girls would do home skills. And also we need to understand that often the people would get married around the age of 14. So here we are, they'd enter in at the end of that first bet so far, many of them would go on to their family's trade, but there would be a few chosen ones, a few uh, kind of intelligent ones, I guess, people who, who had that aptitude for study who would go on to bet Midrash. And so they would continue on with the studies of the Torah, and memorization of the prophets and the writings and, and interpretation, application of the scriptures and everything like that. They would study that and go through that. And then there was a third level. If they got past that, you could become what was known as a Talmud or a disciple. And at this point in, the, the, in their education, uh, the, the disciple, they would approach a, a rabbi in an attempt to further their study and to see if the, the rabbi would accept them to go on to further studies. And they would approach the rabbi and they would ask them this question. They would ask him, can I be like you? And then the rabbi, they would test the student thoroughly. They'd go through the Torah and they'd, they'd try and sort them out, who, whether they had the right standing, the right education to enter in that. And if the, if the disciple, um, they met all the expectations, passed all the tests, got there, then they would enroll them and, and take them on as a disciple. If not, they say, hey, look, 
best you just go back to the family trade. Best that you just head back and go fishing. However, if the student met the rabbi's expectations and requirements, they would reply, Yes, I believe that you can become what I am. And they would accept that student, take them on board. And the records tell us that there was only three rabbis who actually departed uh, from that where the disciples sought out a rabbi. And those three were a guy by the name of Hillel, another guy by the name of Akiva, and especially a certain rabbi by the name of Jesus, who actually went out and he sought out and called disciples to come follow me. And uh, say, hey, you've got the potential to become like me, who I am. And to become a disciple at this time in history was an absolute privilege. To be chosen by a rabbi would be sensational. You know, it would be like uh, in this day and age, maybe uh, be invited to become a Rhodes Scholar or a scholar at a top university and get a scholarship and say, hey, paid, we'll take, paid for and taking them on and say, hey, I've chosen you. You've got what it takes. You're going to be brilliant. We're going to back you to do this. Or maybe again in the New Zealand context, maybe it's like Ian Foster giving you the phone call. Hey, I want you in the squad for the All Blacks. Come, join the team. It was kind of that sort of privilege. So if we were to go back to the dinner table with Zebedee and with Mrs. Zebedee and say, sitting around the table, hey, where are the boys? What's ha what happened today? How come they haven't turned up for dinner? You can imagine Zebedee. He's going, well, actually... You know that rabbi, that new rabbi in town that they're saying he's the Messiah? He's chosen our boys. What? James and John? But they, they didn't even pass primary school. How could they be chosen as, you know, to become disciples of, of this rabbi? Have you heard about this rabbi Jesus? You know, I heard he turned water, water into wine at that wedding of, of the cousin. And, and then he healed, um, you know, old Uncle Ebenezer's knee, who had that dodgy knee, and Jesus came and healed him. And there's all these different stories going around about Christ at this time. And he's chosen our boys to be part of that team, to be part of the disciples. No wonder the boys left their nets. You know, the fact that they were out fishing meant that they, they, they didn't pass primary school. They weren't the sharpest tools of this shed. Uh, they were average. And what I love about Jesus is he chooses ordinary people. He takes average people and says, hey, look, come be part of the team. Come be part of what I am doing. See, I think this is absolutely brilliant news for us, even in this day and age. You know, when we consider our own qualifications and who we are and, you know, you know how do we do this? But Jesus comes along. And what Jesus is saying here is, it's, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I believe that you can become what I am. No matter what, what your qualifications, no matter what your failures, no matter what your background, no matter what you've been through, I choose you and you can become what I am. And I think that can, carries absolute power. You know, come and be part of the team. Come and help turn the world upside down. So why would I? Why would I follow Christ?
See, it's not just only an invitation to follow him, but it's also an invitation to become like him. And I think there's tremendous power in that, that we can be transformed, that we become more and more Christ-like until we become like him. And I'm not talking about that, you know, we become God ourselves, but we become Christ-like. And then, you know, at the end of the age, we receive supernatural bodies, which I'm really looking forward to. Uh, it says this in 1 John 3 verse 2, But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we, we shall see him as he is. We will be like him. Or Philippians 3.21, it says this, He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. How cool is that? And what we know about the disciples is that they did. They went on to become like him. You know, after the death on the cross, the disciples take on board the mission they go out into all the world to spread the gospel. They go into the towns and they preach. And it's not an easy time. You know, at that time, the early church, it was persecuted. There was a lot going on. But they were determined to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. They healed many. They saw the miraculous. They were filled with the Spirit of God. And we get to do the same. We become like Christ and we have this promise of supernatural bodies. Why would we follow Christ? Mate, why wouldn't you? You know, to have that opportunity, that calling. See, Jesus still, he calls us. He says, come follow me. And it's that same invitation. It's not coercive. It's not demanding. It's not arm twisting. But it's this brilliant just invitation in to come follow me to follow Christ, to become a follower of Christ. How does that happen? How do we do that? Well, I think it's just a simple prayer. And the prayer which I love, which it's just, Jesus, I give you my life. It's not a formula. It's not magic. It's just a heartfelt handing over. It's a surrender of your life saying, Jesus, I put my life in your hands. I choose to follow you. And all we need to do is just continue, just to pray that prayer. Jesus, I give you my life. Maybe even right now, just, you know, say those words. Just place your life in the life of Jesus Christ to follow him for the rest of your, day, your days. That's my heart. And as we unlock this over the next few weeks, I hope you'll be encouraged. I hope you'll be strengthened. Hey, we've got a reason to live. We have a purpose in following Jesus Christ. He gives us an, an ability to walk through situations. For me, honestly, I wouldn't want to be without him. He's changed my life. He's made a way for me. And I'm believing that he can do that for you as well. He chooses you. He wants you to be a part of his team. He's got a great purpose ahead for you. God bless you.